And welcome to Inspiration Minds, the Mindful Muslim podcast, where we discuss Islam, psychology, mental health, and spirituality. I'm Minha, and today I have with me Wajid, a survivor of anorexia, and today we will be discussing his strenuous journey. Firstly, Wajid, Jazakallah for featuring on this pod- podcast. It's something so rife in our community and yet so misunderstood, so we really appreciate you being here. So to begin with, could you tell us a bit more about your experience, e.g. where it all began, what it is exactly that you had and, and how it manifested for you? Okay, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Um, with my anorexia, I guess it started um, as I was quite a chubby uh, teenager and that made me feel quite insecure. I wasn't comfortable with the way I looked because of the way people want you to look, people want you to be slim, they kind of disregard people that are chubby as, Ugh, I don't want to talk to him or I don't want to get involved with them. So I guess that kind of made me feel kind of closed. <clears throat> it kind of started mainly, so I was bullied in terms of my weight from secondary school, um, from year seven all the way up until year 11. Not heavily bullied, but a lot of mean comments were made about my weight. Uh, And then I guess it didn't really get to me until I got to sixth form. And that was back in 2012, where even my friends started to insult me. Um, They gave me the nickname Teddy. But Teddy, although it sounds cute, it was a means to call me fat. And that's what everyone in college used to call me, Teddy. So I was literally every day of my life in college being called fatty. And then after a while, I guess it kind of really started to affect me. I started to look in the mirror. And I just wasn't happy with the way I looked. I didn't like my body. I didn't like how my face looked. And it just made me kind of like, it kind of made me change, you know, like it just made me feel that I didn't want to be who I am. Like I don't want it to be someone else. And where a person would have usually went to exercise, I felt that it was beyond that. I felt as though it's because I was eating too much. It must be because I'm eating too much because I was a person who liked to walk and walking is a form of exercise. I used to walk a lot, um, but I didn't find that it helped. And I thought that the problem lied because I was eating too much and what I was eating. So the way my brain told me is you need to stop eating, Wajid. And that's exactly what I did. I kind of stopped eating um, to the point where I would sometimes go three days without food, just kind of forcing myself. I, I, like, I told myself I could not eat. Wajid, you're not allowed to eat. You're too fat. You need to cut down on this. Um, I would probably after three days I would probably have like one meal a day and if I felt as though I ate too much then I would go to the toilet and I would put my fingers down my throat and I would force myself to throw up and then that would be it my meal's gone down the toilet and I have to wait another three days before I can eat and it got to a stage where I started to feel really sick I was physically weak. I didn't have the energy to do anything. The smallest of tasks, like to go up and get a glass of water, was difficult for me because I had zero energy in my body. So I guess that's how it kind of evolved from the start. 
subhanallah that must have i mean that just sounds so heartbreaking i mean um i hate to shift like the attention away from yourself but out of my own curiosity like how how did you sort of get this past your family how did you go three three days um without not having a meal like there must have been a lot of um hiding involved there yeah a lot of hiding a lot of lying kind of just telling my mom oh yeah i've already eaten outside mom and mom would believe me because i did used to eat out quite a lot so i just to tell her mom i bet out i bet out don't worry i'm i'm I don't want to eat anything. It helped that I had work because I wasn't at home a lot in terms of during the day. And I'll be back in the evening. So I said to be like, oh, yeah, mom, I just ate a big dinner before I came home. So I don't really want to eat. So in that sense, lying got me um, and helped me kind of not eat. So no one really knew. No one knew. So, I mean, I suppose it now makes sense to perhaps go into how you gained the strength to get on the path of recovery i mean like did it start with telling somebody about it how did you get to where you are today um the first step was realizing that i did have a problem um, that's the first step to um fixing and solving any problem to realize that there is an actual problem and i realized that there was a problem because i didn't have the energy that i did before and i realized that it's because of my eating habits and my lack of eating that has caused this so I guess I myself, um, I have this one um, family member, a cousin, who I can confide in and uh, pretty much open up in terms of how I feel and stuff. And I told her, and I was like, um, I'm going through this. And she was shocked. She didn't know. She was just like, how does no one know that this happened? But I guess it's very easy for people not to see it if you hide it very well. Um, but yeah, I told her and she was like, you need to start eating. But... I was like, I don't want to start eating. And this is where the whole, if you haven't eaten and uh, with crash dieting, if you crash diet and you start going back to normal meals, you put on double the weight. So I refused to go back onto normal eating. So we kind of came up with a plan together. Um, Nourishment is quite a, I don't know if you guys know about the drink, but it's quite filling. So what I would do was I would have one nourishment um, and one meal every two days i kind of slowly started to get my uh, diet back my diet and my eating back um i was slow i wouldn't want to go right back into it i wanted to slowly go back into it so that i don't add the weight back on or add more weight on because that would then make me go back down the same route so i guess i guess if you are suffering an eating disorder and you want to come out of it i guess for me what helped was coming back to eating a steady state and pace um, so that you feel comfortable with it. You don't want to do anything that makes you uncomfortable because that's just going to take you way back to how it all started. So I slowly started eating. I increased my eating day by day, but in very small portions until I started to build my appetite up again. And the main thing that I feel is the most important is don't be afraid to speak out. I mean, it doesn't make you weak. And I feel as though uh, in the society, um, men are more afraid to speak out because of the whole, you have to be a man, you have to um, you have to be tough. But it doesn't make you weak to speak about um, your problems. It doesn't make you weak. In fact, it makes you stronger to be able to say, you know what, I have a problem, I need help. That makes you a strong person. It doesn't make you weak. And as I slowly started to increase uh, my eating habits, my energy started coming back and I it took a bit of time. It took a few months 
Um, but that's because I, you have to tell yourself mentally, I want to do this and give yourself that push, which is exactly what I did. And Alhamdulillah, thanks to the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that helped me as well. Um, my trust in God helped me a lot. Um, I knew that he would help me through this and Alhamdulillah he did. And I started to slowly get my life back together again. Oh, mashallah. So, I mean, I know there are so many things you must struggle with when, you know, going through that that period of having an eating disorder. But what do you feel was the hardest thing for you to go through like personally or, or socially? I guess um, what was hard for me was just to just to kind of be out with people, um, because I, I, in terms of with my uh, social life, whenever my friends want to go out, they want to go out to eat. So then that, of course, affected my social life because where my friends wanted to eat, I didn't want to go out with them because I knew if I told them that I don't want to eat, they'll get onto me, they'll be like, why don't you want to eat? And then they will find out that I had a problem. So that did affect my social life in terms of I was, I guess I was kind of alone a lot more. Like I would speak to them through social media, but I wouldn't really meet up unless it was something like, let's go to the park. Something that didn't involve eating, then I would, but most of the social gatherings that my friends put together was to eat. And because I wasn't eating, I didn't find it comfortable to go out uh, with them. So I know earlier you said that it took you a couple of months and it was through the grace of Allah that you managed to, you know, piece your life back together. Um, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions about eating disorders. People just think it is just the eating, it is the relationship with food. Like they don't see how it, you know, snowballs into other factors of life. I mean, what did your eating disorder contribute to like other things that perhaps broke down in your life at that time? Oh, it broke down a lot of things. Like I just, even though I was still not eating, I still felt heavily insecure. And when you feel insecure about yourself, when you feel like you're not comfortable in your own body, that trickles a lot of other things to happen. You start getting anxiety, you start feeling really unhappy. And I guess this is one of the things that contributed um, to my mental health. I don't want to go into that too much uh, in this podcast, but it did affect, it did contribute to my mental health. And just kind of losing the love that you should have for yourself. Everyone should love themselves, but having an eating disorder, you do kind of grow to hate yourself. You hate who you are. You want to be someone else, but you can't. And you and I, I know now if you do try to be someone else, you will never be happy. You should be comfortable in your own self. So I guess that, <clears throat> sorry, uh, I guess that was the most important thing that had affected my mental health at the time the fact that I was not comfortable in my own body because of the way I looked because I felt that people looked at me like this is just a fat guy we don't want to be with him and I just always felt that even though people were joking in terms of um, calling me names about my weight I felt as though it wasn't a joke there was truth to it I mean yes there might be a few jokes and you can have jokes with your friends but I think uh, when you are with your friends and if you are someone who does call someone fat as a joke I think you should be very careful because although that person might not show it it is really hurting them inside and you know I think this is I mean obviously it's obviously this is very common for men as well it's just not spoken about but as a woman from my experience it's very common for 
for girls who might be slimmer than their friends to then say oh I have thunder thighs and you know I don't fit into a size 12 whereas the friend next to them might be size 14 16 plus and although it might not be directed at them you know even indirect things like that can can be really hurtful and I feel like as a community as a society these, these are things that we're not taught to, to pick up on um so in terms of overcoming your eating disorder well not overcoming but you know getting to that process of wanting to uh, get over the eating disorder you know what was the hardest thing for you to deal with mentally I know it was difficult for you to get your appetite back and you know you know muster the courage to try and eat every day but what you know mentally what was the most strenuous thing that you felt you had to do it's just telling myself I could eat and it's about telling yourself that you know what you are not this fat person because when someone goes through anorexia I feel that they see themselves in the mirror as a lot bigger than what they actually are. And I guess that that's what it was for me. Like I saw myself as this very obese guy when in fact, looking back at the pictures, I was just chubby. I wasn't overweight in that sense. But I feel when you do have anorexia, you mentally will view yourself in, in this whole bigger picture. And I think you need to tell yourself that, you know what? No, it's fine to eat. I mean, when I, when I had my anorexia, the look of food actually made me nauseous. Um, I didn't really look into anorexia at the time, but I was, I was like, why does it make me sick to look at food? Like someone will bring out a plate of food for me and it will make me feel like I want to throw up. So I guess the hardest thing for me was to kind of overcome that nausea. And I knew it was a mental thing because it was only when food was brought out to me that um, I would feel this nausea. So I guess the hardest thing for me was overcoming that nausea and just get into a stage where you kind of have to ignore the nausea, have your first bite, and once you have a little bit of food, the nausea kind of dissipates, and then you're able to eat. Although I was still conscious of how much I was eating, it was an improvement that I was starting to eat a lot more than what I was. Mashallah. So, um, in in terms of Ramadan, what what was it like for you? To, to be eating like every day like twice a day I guess you know suhoor and iftar like was was it a trigger for you did you find it difficult um you know did did you fast and uh, you know in terms of the eating as well as the spiritual side of things did you feel like your eating disorder had an impact on your spirituality or did you feel it was your spirituality that overcome your eating disorders during Ramadan um I mean it did continue for quite a while and I did have a little relapse um last Ramadan I was fasting, however, um, I would say Ramadan was and wasn't difficult because um, I actually wasn't eating at Sahur time. Um, I would have maybe, I think, one date and a glass of water or maybe two glasses of water. That's what my Sahur was. It even came to the point my family questioned, hey, Wajid, are you even fasting? Like, Come on, are you fasting? Because there is no way you're getting through an entire fast with just a date and a few glasses of water but in that sense I guess because I wasn't really eating it wasn't that difficult for me and come iftar time um, due to my Asian background we make a lot of oily food at iftar and that physically made me sick I would have maybe one or two um, what we have is like these aubergine slices um, in, dipped in batter and it's fried I would probably have one of those I would have a date and a glass of water and that was my iftar done and I got through about 10 days until it started to affect me again. And my stomach lining then got damaged and I had to make an emergency appointment with the doctors. And unfortunately, uh, the doctor advised me and told me I was not allowed to fast because 
of how damaged my stomach lining was. And if I were to fast for the rest of the 20 days, then it would then lead on to having a stomach ulcer. So he said that I shouldn't fast and I should, he didn't know about the eating disorder. I didn't tell him about that. In hindsight, I should have, but I didn't. He told me that I have to drink milk throughout the day. So, and I'm a person, I really hate milk. Unless it's chocolate milk, I don't like milk. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> it, but I wasn't allowed chocolate milk. So I had to have milk. So I had to kind of force myself to have milk. And again, I had, I opened up again um, to one friend and he would, not he would kind of force me to eat but not make me feel uncomfortable he would do it in a very um funny way where i don't feel like i'm being forced but i am being forced and he would eat out with me he would like but he'd kind of he'll kind of insult himself he'll be like oh, look how much i'm eating man you can eat a small amount come on and i was like okay i'll eat a little bit and he, he'll make you kind of feel bad that you're kind of not eating and he's brought you the food and um so i would start to slowly eat but then i wasn't fasting but in essence, the only thing that was stopping me from fasting was I was just drinking the milk. I was still not eating until like, say, around iftar time where I could eat with someone because I physically couldn't eat by myself. I wouldn't let myself eat unless I was with someone else. So I would still have to wait until around iftar time to eat a little bit. But um, I would be having milk throughout the day, which did help me a little bit. And it did help the lining, alhamdulillah. Again, thanks to the grace of Allah, um, the stomach lining then uh, repaired and I was able to slowly get back into eating again. MashaAllah, may, may Allah continue to give you good health. Um, just another question out of curiosity. Um, what was it like when you first had, obviously like you first started off with not eating like per day, but do you remember what your first like prolonged fast was for the three days? What I mean, like physically, what what did that feel like? And obviously, mentally, that that must have been, you know, satisfying for you as well to know that you you did it. Is this in terms of Ramadan or outside of Ramadan? Just no, this is just outside of Ramadan. Ramadan. Um, I guess it was. Um, just trying to conserve the energy because obviously with you not eating you have to conserve your energy and you have to kind of um, put it into certain places and not put it into other places so I guess what was difficult for me was to kind of figure out mentally how much energy I could put into certain things without over exhausting myself because I knew if I over exhausted myself I would need to eat and I really didn't want to eat so it's, it's it was kind of trying to find the balance of energy and how much my body could take of a certain activity before I need to sit back down and rest and then continue to get with my everyday life. So, you know, it requires a lot of planning. And, you know, that's what I find really fascinating about eating disorders is that it's not just something impulsive. It requires a lot of planning and it's almost like a commitment not in a positive way if that makes sense yeah it does um, so if you could send a message to the old you the person you were like last year or the year before what what would it say i would say why did be comfortable in your own body like you you are unique you are what god has made you and you have so many other great attributes and you don't need to focus on your outer appearance and your weight you need to feel comfortable in your own body and wajid food is a blessing food is a blessing we've been blessed with food god has given us food 
So why would you neglect the basic right your body has on you? Um, I would tell myself that I could eat, but eat in better proportions, eat healthier food, balance it out. You don't need to um, starve yourself in order to lose weight. You just need to eat the right things. And it's easier said than done. I know exercise is sometimes difficult for others. I mean, for some people, they're exercise enthusiasts, but for some people, they're not like that. But I would say if you're not going to exercise, then at least if you can put the effort into um, developing and planning your eating disorder and how you're not going to eat, then you definitely have the ability to plan the good things that you can eat. So redirect your energy into positive things and positive ways that you can change your life around. Michelle, I mean, so what, what, I mean, if you don't mind answering this question, what is your like day to day eating habits like now? <laughs> um, it's not the best, but I'm you still find it difficult. I mean, because obviously you mentioned last year Ramadan was, was difficult for you. Are you still in a difficult like stage? Are you still battling yourself with food every day? Um, I guess I'm not really battling myself. It's just more my, um, sort of bad habits like in terms of uh i have to kind of digress the conversation but i do have insomnia as well so i have that i sleep really late and then i'll wake up just before work i can't eat breakfast because i'm running late for work now quickly run to work just to get on time and i'll have to wait until lunchtime to eat but alhamdulillah i don't feel the nausea when i eat anymore um i mean it does kind of come back and forth but then that's just down to uh an unnamed medical condition that i'm trying to figure out what it is the nausea now but alhamdulillah i am able to eat food now um like there are days where i'll eat more than others like i'll eat probably about once or twice a day but then i do have this weird thing of some days where i would literally get hungry and kid you not i would literally get hungry every two hours like i could have a big meal and then wait another two hours and i'll get hungry again and I'll get hungry another two hours later. And it's this weird thing. My, I guess my metabolism is being a bit funny. But Alhamdulillah, I am able to eat. And you're making up for all those lost meals. That's what you're doing. <laughs> I think so. But I don't want to put it back on again. So um, I guess I, mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot more walking now. Um, just trying to be a bit more active. I'm just mm-hmm. waiting for the local gym to open so I can go. Mm-hmm. so I mean yes you keep you've said that you don't want to put it back on again is is that do you feel that's a healthy way of thinking or is is there an element of fear there um I guess for me now I mean had it been the past me it was all about being slim in order to uh please um, other people around you whereas in now if when I say I don't want to put the weight back on and I want to slim down and tone myself up physically, it's for myself. I want to be able to be physically fit so that I don't feel um, tired if I was to run, say, run for the train. I don't want to feel tired when I'm doing, when I have to do a little bit of running or when I have to do a physical activity. I just want to be fit for myself so that I don't feel the restlessness and the tiredness that I would if I was an unhealthy person which currently I kind of am, but alhamdulillah, I'm slowly getting there. But it's not for other people now, it's for myself. I just want to I just wanna be the most best version of myself that I could be. And as well as mentally, I, for me, it's important to 
physically be there and just physically be comfortable in your own body not to please other people but because you deserve it because you are as just as important as everyone else mashallah it's really really inspiring um so it's it's quite common for people not to realize the escalation of their own eating disorders you know like you said it just started off with no you can't eat because you're fat and then it turns into like a form of punishment for you like you would make yourself sick or you know um and then even though like you were aware of what was going on you know a lot of your decisions were masked by the characteristics of your disorder so for example you were busying yourself you know and abstaining from food was like it was a form of punishment as well as at the same time it was a kind of a reward as well because you were losing weight but how would you identify these early signs in order to make the alarms you know ring and avoid things from getting worse i guess you just have to um it's a, it's a difficult question to answer because at the at the early stages you have to you do have to know yourself i guess when the best way to kind of identify it would be to see any unnecessary changes in your lifestyle and what i mean about that is if you're a person that uh, there are people that love to eat i love to eat as well at times um but if you if you are a person who likes to go out likes to eat um and you're a person who likes to eat a lot of food or even a little bit of food if that changes then you have like it might seem unnecessary but you have to question why is it changing like what is causing you to if you're a person that eats say a big meal to then go to half the proportion you have to ask yourself why are you going to the that smaller proportion is it because you you want to do it physically in terms of your exercising and you have to eat certain types of food or are you actually starving yourself and i guess that's the best early sign to look out for the changes any unnecessary changes that you make in your lifestyle that when you question you can't really find the answer that's when you know hey something's not right and i need to kind of keep a close eye on this because from that it will slowly it may slowly deteriorate and then in terms of your you might start to slowly cut down a lot of food and then that's when you know hey i'm forcing myself not to eat and then that's when i would say speak to someone the earlier you speak to someone is the better it is because asking someone for help i mean you're not going to get help sometimes without asking for it and the best way in order for you to overcome this is asking for help again i did say it before in a previous question but it does not make you weak to speak to people it actually makes you really strong because it's your first step to recovery and recovery is for survivors and for anyone that is going through anorexia from a day to day uh day to day lifestyle you are a survivor because you're still getting through another day but what needs to change is you need to speak about it you need to tell someone you can trust whether that's your family whether that's your friends i mean there's other means that you could speak to um and you can speak to other people for advice actually there's the 111 which you can talk to and they would direct you to the most appropriate line you could speak to uh you can speak to your gp your gps are there to help you and of course you know it's all confidential they they're not allowed to speak to your parents because i know for a lot of people um whether you're a man or a woman asian non asian you're scared of letting this secret out and i think if you're scared and you don't really have any family that you could really open up to your gp is your best friend because they will keep your secrets they won't tell your family members what you're going through and they would it will be a one to one help 
you'll come back for another appointment and he'll ask how's the progress he may refer you to a um, another organization which deals with um, anorexia or any other eating disorder you may have and then slowly from there you will see a big difference in your life so i guess the best thing is just to speak about it and do that as early as you possibly could so I know you have, um, you know, you, you write a lot of poetry and a lot of spoken words, you know, at, at underscore Wajid writes. Do you feel that, you know, your form of expression has helped with your recovery in any way? Yes, I do. Um, I mean, Wajid writes was something I started because I had reached an all-time low. Just with my old mental health as a whole, I reached a very, very um, down stage of my life. Uh, which I don't want to go into too much detail um, on this current podcast, but I then created Wajid Writes. I reformed myself. I became someone who would only strictly upload writing accounts. I mean, writing, sorry, uh, writing um, pieces. And from there, I believe it did help me because as well as coming into terms with what I'm going through, I felt as though other people could um, read from it and then they feel that they're not alone anymore in what they're going through and that was the main reason for Wajid Rights. It wasn't it, as much as it was to help myself a little, it was more so to help others around me because I feel that with any sort of disorder you may have, the scariest thing is you're alone in this world. No one else has it. When in fact we know other people have it but we don't know who they are. Wajid Rights is a sort of gateway to the open public to show, hey, listen, I got this, I have this, I have this, and it's okay. I'm still standing, and so can you. If I found help, so can you. And alhamdulillah, I started that in January. Um, and I've, without sounding full of myself, I have helped a lot of people. They have messaged me privately saying, hey, you know what, thank you for this. And of course, my um, message, my direct message box is open for anyone who does want to ask anything privately that they may not want to ask on the lives that I do. So Alhamdulillah, uh, Wajid Rats has made me the person I am today. It's, it's literally a part of me. And um, it's a part of me that has helped myself as well as helping others around me as well. So to, to finish off with, what would be your top three tips for someone who is currently in the same position that you were, you know, a, a year ago? Uh, top three tips would be find ways find positive things about yourself things that you love about yourself i mean it's something that i tell a lot of people but um get two pieces of papers you write one negative thing about yourself you write one positive thing about yourself and do that until you have say about 15 different things then what you do is you pick up the negative either chuck it in the bin burn it and then focus on the list of 15 positive things that you have and those are 15 positive things that you have thought of about yourself so it's all about loving yourself and it's not wrong to love yourself. Um, my second advice would be talk. It's something, have communication with someone. Don't, it's very easy to seclude yourself and kind of block everyone out. But it is very important that you have communication with someone because that form of communication will help you, uh, whoever they are, um, whether they're friends, whether they're family, whether they're healthcare professionals. If you're able to speak, then you're always able to have that sort of rope of hope and you're always able to have salvation, if you will. And the third bit of advice I would say um, is ask us for help. I mean, I, I found for myself that um, in these desperate times when I do 
um, go down in sujood when I do go down in prayer and I ask uh, God for help, when I ask Allah for help, I find that it has helped me because it has brought me an essence of peace inside my heart, knowing that I'm leaving my fate to a greater entity, to a higher entity, and that, that higher entity um, will do whatever is right by me. And it's it's about having that faith in God that he will do what is right for you. MashaAllah, I for your presence today. It has been an absolute honor being able to listen to you. And I pray that you are re rewarded immensely for doing this. And may he allow you to go from strength to strength. We pray that you are rewarded in abundance for every person you have inspired and continue to give a voice to. Wajid can be found on Instagram at underscore Wajid Writes, but his link will be also available on the website. And as always, if you have any ideas for future podcasts or would like to feature as a guest, please do email info at inspirationminds.org.uk. And until next time, we pray that Allah grants ease to all those suffering and shows them the beam to the road to recovery and makes this Ramadan the most successful one yet. Ameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I wish to be 